the year is 2007. So that would put me at seven years of driving. Um, like I said, this next um, situation that I'm getting ready to tell y'all in is probably like one of the most, um, like one of the most worst situations that I've been in out of my 20 years of driving. Um, you know, it's just incredible, man. And like I said, I do have pictures of this. And if anybody's interested in seeing the pics, because, you know, I don't want people to be thinking like these are stories and shit that I'm making up, man. These are actual, like, true stories that I've been sitting here, like, sharing with you guys. I don't know why it is that I've been chose to, like, go through this with this trucking industry. Who knows why, man. But um, you guys have the email that's attached to uh, my, my podcast. And I will gladly, like, um, copy and paste some of the pics and show them to you about the situation I'm getting ready to tell you about. And also, I just wanted to just, um, you know, say this, too, because I've been getting some emails from some people, you know, wanting me to do this and do that and, like, come over to somebody else's podcast. Like I said, my whole main purpose for doing this is basically just to kind of get a lot of shit off my chest that I've been going through over the last 20 years of driving and just basically try to help some people out that's probably thinking about getting a CDL or just started getting a CDL. They could just like learn from my situations that I've been through so they can kind of navigate on what to do and what not to do. Like I said, every man and every woman is, is each to his own, but I'm just kind of out here sharing these stories. You know, I, I had a friend of mine was like, well, man, you know, you sitting here telling these stories and stuff like that, like, you know, somebody could actually like kind of just steal your story and write a book and do this and that. And, you know, and I thought about it because I actually thought about that, too, at first. And, you know, like I said, man, this is basically me just sharing like some of the situations that I went through with you guys. I'm not like telling everything that I actually went through. I'm just giving y'all like the pointers of uh this, the main stuff that happened because if you notice like a lot of these companies I've been to for a year here a year there like just me telling you that little 10 minute story is not everything that went down some stuff is like has to remain like off this podcast especially when I was teaming with the guy um, you guys remember um, from CRST in New York and there was another situation you know just stuff that I can't just discuss with you guys on here because you know, but let me just get to this point and just explain to y'all what happened. So you guys was already aware that I had already made it back from Atlanta. So I had like did a year out there. I had uh, drove for Stanford Trash. And like I said, I had made my way back. And the whole time I was there, I really, I really like heard from Eric the whole time I was down there. You know, we, we rarely talked this and that. I think one of their main reasons was because... You know, he didn't make his way back down there like how he said he was. You know, every time I would talk to him, you know, the conversation would come up like, well, he's trying to get a good lawyer to come down there to, I guess, resolve that case of him getting on the freeway with that DUI and, and, and flipping over his car. So, but we rarely talk. But I was in communication with another friend named Ben. And this is one of, one of the other guys that I knew um, from L.A. I met this guy basically at LACC College. I was taking a college course in MIDI and media 
and audio for like uh, the music because y'all remember like I told you before I even got into truck and I was heavily into the music scene and so I was taking a couple courses there like dealing with like the audio and how to set things up you know like home studio type stuff and so I met this guy he was actually from Houston but he was actually like living out in the Hollywood area he was like one of those slash actors uh, he wanted to really get into the music industry as a manager and he had this one guy that he said could rap this and that but I never actually heard him rap because every time it would be time for him to come over and do something, I had to either work or something was going on. So I never actually met the guy that he was actually talking about that he wanted me to produce. So as I was talking to Ben, Ben was aware that I was out there in Atlanta. Like I said, he would call me every now and then. Um, we would converse over the phone. And his whole thing was, man, he was just trying to see if I was going to be making my way back to L.A. Because at that time, um, and how I caught up with Ben was through Facebook and then through somebody else, I got the number and to his house, and I called his father, and uh, his father really didn't know me, so I just gave his father my phone number, and he passed it on to Ben. I didn't even know that Ben was still out there in California because I thought he had went back home, but he was still out there, and he was roommating with another guy named um, Jason, and they lived in Magnolia, off of Magnolia in North Hollywood, and one of their roommates had I guess like left and went back home one of their roommates was a girl named Jessica I actually met her when I came back and um, you know she actually went back home I think she was from Kansas so you know when I was talking to Ben out in Atlanta and I told him I was coming back he was like really trying to hype that up for me to come back because he wanted to actually try to do this music thing again for like the last he whole time um, he was like, well, man, you know, you got them L.A. place out there rolling around in Atlanta. You need to just get out of there because when they see people that's not from their state, they're going to hate. And like I explained to y'all, like he's actually right in a sense, because remember the story I told y'all about the one guy that asked the, the ball, the money that was smooching off me every time the weekend would come, we would go out and I would have him show me around because he's a native of, of Atlanta. But it just seems like he was just kind of smooching. And then with that last situation, how he asked the ball, the money and then called the police over to his house. I mean. It, it was just some weirdo type situation. So, I made my way on back to L.A. Now, I basically moved in with them because, like I told y'all, I, I didn't have a place to stay. Um, I could have easily had got my own place because I still had the money that I like left from uh, Atlanta. I didn't buy a truck. I didn't, like I told y'all, I, I rarely spent down that money. So, I basically came back still with, like I think, like 14 grand. And then I had another... 10 something stashed away so I mean I was good but the thing about that is that I wanted to take some time off man because at that point I had been driving for seven years and I just kind of needed a break and just even see if I wanted to even dig into this anymore because now I'm going from state to state living driving you know I have lived in Vegas I you know out of California was driving had lived a little bit in Arizona before I moved over to Vegas and so now I just was down there in fucking Georgia for about a year so this thing has really kind of taken me places. And like I told y'all, like I would never get a place because I was either over the road. It was just a waste of money for me to do that. So I just find it more convenient for me to just either I would stay in a truck or either I would just get me a hotel for a couple of days till it was time for me to come back out on the road. Usually I, I found more pleasure in getting a hotel, just a nice five star hotel for like a couple of days while I was off, you know, doing my 34 to build up until it was time for me to come back to uh, work. So I moved in with, with Ben and him down, down there in North Hollywood, but never again will I do that, man, because first of all, I'm too old for that. You know, um, 
I rather just and eventually I wound up getting my own place anyway but you know I moved in with them um, like I said I wanted to take some time off man um, I just didn't want to drive anymore for a minute so I, I took about like four months off because I already knew within another month or so I was gonna have to get recertified now how to get around that is usually what, what people would do is they'll just stretch out the last place they worked at and say they was there actually longer than they was because usually when a company calls to verify stuff usually all that stuff gets kind of brushed under the rug but if you're taking like a year off and you're trying to cover up from the last company that you worked for and say well you know I was with them for two years and you were only with them for a year because you hadn't been driving for a year of course that's going to come up but a few months you could stretch out that's why I only did it for four months because anything after that you know companies is going to say well no he only worked here from this time to that time. So do y'all get it? It's like you can only stretch it so long. So I went back to the Guitar Center as I was setting up stuff. Um, I was actually digging into my savings. I actually spent about a good like four or five grand because I had to build another tower down at Fry's. I had to get some hard drives. I bought another keyboard. Like I said, this, this music equipment shit is not cheap. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. But lucky for me, I had already had stuff that was, even though it was vintage, because it's, you know, it was from 98, 99 to 2000, it was still good enough. That, but the only thing I had to do was just rebuild my tower as far as the audio, because I was doing MIDI back then. Now, everything is doing audio. Like when you're dealing with Pro Tools and all these high-end programs, and Cubase and Pro Tools are right up there with each other. I was a Cubase user. I've always been using Cubase since day one when it was MIDI on the Atari STE. All the way up to the point to where we are now, like where it's audio. So, um, what happened was, is that I took four months off. And so, I got on the internet and I said, well, you know what, man? It's time for me to go back to work because I'm spending some money here. Ain't nothing coming in. I'm just kind of living off my savings, this and that. It kind of felt good, though, man. It just kind of just kick back and wake up in the bed for once and not have to worry about like where I'm which city I'm in to go down the road or at a truck stop this or that so what wound up happening is man I went to this one interview that was like over in the uh Redondo area it's, it's close over there by if you're from California like the 110 the 105 freeway over there um I went over there and put in an application for this one company um I think it was Air Freight if that if I'm not mistaken and they was just like looking for like a uh, a local driver so I actually just like put in the application but then as I was going down the street I saw this other company that was advertised it was called guaranteed air freight and they was actually out of st. Louis but they had a terminal out here and I think they had a terminal in a couple of other states too but what they did was man I, I saw the ad and I went inside and I talked to this guy named Mike, and Mike was real cool with me, man. It, for some reason, he was trying to, and I'm going to tell y'all why this is. He was actually trying to, like, yeah, come on, sit down, man, and put in an application. And he started to interview me, and I started to tell him about the experience I had. And like I said, I'm glad that by now I had two years of experience doing local because you got to add the year with Ready Pack, and you got to add the year with Stanford and then at the rest of the other years is me over the road so now I just got everything sewn up I'm a over the road local whatever there is to do now and so he found that very interesting this and that and so when I asked him what did they do here like what's the runs looking like he said well basically you know like we're, de we're delivering these cables like I guess cables I don't know what type of cables like cable cables and it was just all sorts of type of different color cables 
I couldn't tell you what they was using them for, but it's kind of like running cables for maybe industries and stuff like that. But he was like, we got like 15 to 16 stops per day. And when he was said that, man, it kind of turned me off because I'm already knowing how L.A. is. You'll be in traffic all day on the 405 or somewhere else like that, 605, trying to get to your second stop or some shit like that. You'll be there all day. So as he was explaining that to me, it was going in one ear and coming out the other because I said, this is not what I really want. And it wasn't really like I was desperate at that time to get something because I still had money saved. And I was just kind of taking my time about getting hired. But then he explained to me also, he said, I'm also looking for a guy to, uh, on the weekends, he said, this is part time. I just need a guy that I'm going to just pay just to go pick up the load in San Diego. And then on Saturday morning, you take off and you go down to Amarillo, Texas, and you swap the load out with the guys that's coming down, um, I guess, from St. Louis or somewhere. And you swap the trailer with them. And basically, you bring the trailer back and you get it back before Monday so we can deliver that load. Because they had already had two other trucks that was coming within that week. But on the weekends, they didn't have somebody to deliver that because I guess St. Louis or where the load was coming from, like... They needed some drivers to, to do a turn on this end to bring back to uh, California. So they only had a couple of drivers that would come like, you know, on Tuesday. Then another one probably come on Thursday. But they needed somebody to go up there and actually pick up the load halfway and then bring it back. And when he told me how much that paid, I was kind of intrigued because at the time he said that run was paying close to like, he said, I'll pay 480 Either it's 475 or 480 for that. And then he turned around and he gives you another $80 on the Comdata card for dinner for like, I guess, the, the day and a half that you're out there, you know, waiting to get the load and come back. So when you add that up, that's kind of like almost like 500 and some dollars just for that weekend turn. You know, that's pretty good. And so I told him, I said, well, you know what? I'm interested in that run. But as far as like the local, I don't think I would want to do that because it's just too much traffic and, and yada, yada, yada. So. He, he basically, man, like we filled out the application. He hired me on the spot. And he was like, well, can you be back here, you know, by Friday? He, he kind of showed me the truck and the trailer. And we walked around the place. He kind of showed me. He introduced me to this one guy named William. We're going to get into this. Um, it was actually, I believe, like four employees there. Um, William, another cat named Cesar. And then there was another guy named Chris. And then there was me. And then there was another guy there that was like the... Uh, the, the, the supervisor when he wasn't there but Mike was in charge so the thing about it is he was showing me around the place he's like well you know if you can be back here by Friday to go pick up the load on you know in San Diego and then just come back and then on Saturday you take off he's like you could just take off whatever time but as long as you're back here you know Monday morning with the truck so we can deliver it because it's going to have stops on this for us delivery we got to like unload it and put it on some of these bobtails because they had I think like three bobtails and 153 footer and so the thing about it is man when i got hired there i noticed like william you you could kind of tell when somebody like likes you or not like he was kind of looking at me funny uh i could pretty much tell man like this was like this was like some ex um gangbanger type motherfucker man like uh i actually seen him and his homeboys um actually one night i was going down crenshaw heading back from the yard after i got hired there I swear to God, it was about like a hundred of those motherfuckers just out there, like right over there by the 105 freeway, man. And that set that he was running with, they don't like blacks. They're the type that's like when you go to the county jail and we've all heard these stories before, 
like how the blacks and Spanish get into it with each other. And I could tell that like that's who he was running with. Yada yada yada. Like I said, where I was where I grew up from and where I came from on my side of town, we don't get along with them. Um, just straight out. Like I could tell like he, he was a racist, this and that. And you know, he was acting like he was cool, but you could just tell him him and Cesar, like they they, they was basically from the same area. And so I have to be, like I said, real with you guys when I'm talking about this situation. I'm not trying to be a racist, but I have to give you my truth. And this is my truth. This is what's going on. As I'm coming to work, I noticed like, man, like on my second weekend there, I noticed like there was like these nails in my tires. And so where you park the car at, like from where the office is, it's kind of like a, a kind of like slash alley, like where they got gravel and stuff back there. So I just kind of just brushed it off. I took the nails out, had to go get it patched up, and then, you know, came back to work. I noticed they was there again. I just kind of ignored it. I actually kind of like cleaned up that little area to make sure that I wasn't running over no nails or nothing when I came in. Then it happened again. So now I'm starting to get like suspicion that somebody's like putting nails in my fucking tires, man. Um, you know, and... It's just looking real suspicious to me. So I don't say anything. I have to actually change a tire and get a used tire now because I done patched that shit up so much that when I came back, I noticed the same thing was happening again. And I started suspecting it was William that was doing it because he didn't want me there. He didn't want nobody, you know, he didn't want nobody to be there. He didn't want no blacks working there. So the situation was is that I had talked to Mike about it and I said, well, you know what, man? I said, there's a situation going on Mike I said you know every time I come there man it's like I'm getting these nails in my tires I said I had changed it like six different times and the nails is just keep appearing there and to me it looks like somebody's nailing them into my fucking tire and it got to the point to where I had bought like brand new tires there's this one famous spot there's this tire place off of Slauson where they got like these incredible deals on like brand name tires that everybody goes to it's always this line it's like 6 o'clock in the morning with like 20, 30 people over there trying to get these deals on these tires right off the slots. And I wish I could remember the name of it. But I went over there and got some brand new tires. And guess what? When I came back, the nails was in my tires. And I told Mike, I said, look, I'm getting sick and tired of this shit, man. Somebody here is like, I don't know where it's coming from, but somebody around is like putting nails in my tires. So what Mike suggested was because I'm going to show y'all pictures like if, for whoever wants to see this. Uh, like I said, just hit me up on the email that this is related to and I'll send you pictures like the dock that was there was big enough for you to park your car alongside the dock and then the dock is up top and then my car would be below if y'all could like just kind of vision that in your head and uh, Mike said this is what we're going to do he was like you're going to just from now on he gave me the keys to open up the dock because usually when I would come back on Sundays I would just like park the uh the trailer alongside the uh, the dock because it would be closed because I didn't have the the key to the gate, um, the key to the dock to open to to lift it all the way up for the 53 foot of the back end. I, my job was just to back it alongside of it, and then when one of the other guys like William or somebody comes in, they would like back the shit in and um, you know start taking the shit off with a forklift and separating the pallets into the bobtails. And so he's like, I'm gonna give you the key. 
And what I want you to do is from now on, just back your car because it's enough room for your car to fit in there and just close the dock behind it, close the, the door behind it and lock it. And we're going to see if anything is happening to your car. Then we're going to know if it's somebody from here because we was actually thinking it was somebody maybe that was in the area because where um, Guaranteed Air Fresh docks was located was they had like six or seven other uh, businesses there too as well. But Guaranteed was the only one that had a 53-footer. All the rest of the other business had like these little bobtails and shit. They didn't have a 53-footer, but they had the docks that could accommodate that if they was getting the delivery there. So he was like, well, you know, just park your, just park your car. And at the time, I had a 2004 um, GT Mustang. This was the same Mustang that I drove all the way down to Atlanta. I had all these aftermarket parts on there. I had uh, got this hood. Um, that nobody had in LA with the lights underneath the fins underneath the screen. I had like personally designed all that down in Atlanta and um, Paid for that and nobody had like this this uh, hood Out in LA that I seen like you would have to order that hood But I hadn't seen nobody with the hood because I was actually down there in Georgia like where the company um, What's that company where they have all the racing parts? It'll probably come to me as I'm talking to y'all, but they were located down in Georgia and I went directly there to go get that hood because usually you would have to order it and shit like that. But it's a racing that people go to on eBay and stuff like that to buy their parts, but they were actually located in Georgia. So back to the story. So he, Mike was like, just go ahead and back your, your vehicle inside the dock and pull the gate down. And if something is still happening, we'll know that it's somebody coming from there and it's not coming from outside. So I'm like, cool. So at this point, you know, I, I back my car in, come back like two or three trips. Nothing's happening. I'm checking the tires out. Everything is cool. But what I forgot to tell y'all is, man, is like Mike had me do these deliveries when I told him that I only wanted to just do the weekend runs because one of the guys didn't show up. And so they needed somebody to come in and do the runs like their local work. And what these guys was doing was, see, because I was paid. Uh, a flat rate just to do that run. Um, William and all the rest of those other guys, they would have to come in with a time clock and they would clock in with their time cards, right? These motherfuckers was clocking in at y'all at 8 o'clock in the morning and wouldn't clock out until 11 p.m. at night. Now, I mean, milking the clock, whatever, get your money whichever way you can, man. So be it. I'm not saying anything. I don't care. I mean, there's nowhere that I have worked where I know you could just get away with some shit like that. I mean... William and William actually to me he actually kind of lived there because the office had like three three office rooms this motherfucker turned one of the rooms into like like his bedroom type shit he had like a mattress in there PlayStation this other shit like it was a party room for him and he would always have this bra coming over I actually seen her like um, when I was coming back on on one Sunday night with the with the load um, you know she she had a couple kids and you know he would have I guess he was banging her out like in there like I said I'm out of my business so be it man you know what I'm saying I know you don't like me and I don't like your ass so we just kept it cool and cordial on that note but the thing about it is one time Mike asked me to do the deliveries and you know one of them had like I think like nine fucking stops on it so what I did was how I usually do my shit is like I'll go in the office a day before I'll see where the loads is going to be at for the next day and I'll route it out the closest one 
because they didn't have it like dispatch does now where dispatchers say go to here go to there you pretty much have to know la and say okay well i got to go to west covina i got to go to orange county this or that so basically west covina is going to come before orange county so i'm gonna hit there then I, you kind of have to write that shit out yourself because the company didn't care as long as you got your shit there and they had the times that you would have to be in certain areas so if two places was like you know within like one is at 10 one is at eight o'clock you know it just depended on what you thought was gonna the traffic or whatnot you just kind of had to figure that out so I kind of routed the shit out and what was taking these motherfuckers like I said from eight o'clock to eleven o'clock midnight when I did that first run man I got back I think like in three hours I kid you not because I was hammered down boom 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 like seven stops I boom 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 because I wanted to hurry up and get back because remember I was doing music back then so I wasn't really trying to be out there milking the clock it wasn't that serious for me to be trying to do all that shit so then the second time Mike called me up as I was coming back from Amarillo on a Sunday he was like well I hate to ask you this but what's his name didn't show up and we really need somebody and I said look Mike I told you man like the traffic this night he's like I know man but if you could just please do me this favor I would appreciate it uh, it's only one more time I'm, I'm already trying to hire somebody else so I said cool but this thing had like 15 stops on it that's why I was kind of upset 15 fucking stops on it man so what I did was, once again, when I got to, and, and the load that I was bringing back was the one that had to be delivered for the next day on Monday. So that shit that I had um, swapped the load down in Amarillo, that was the trailer that they was talking about. So I had basically went to the office, routed everything down, and the first stop I decided to go to was out there in San Bernardino because the, the, one of the um, drops was out there. It was no way I was going to work my way up and try to get to um San Bernardino with all that traffic so what I did was I left there at 3 o'clock in the morning and made sure that I was in San Bernardino even though I was there hours before they opened at like 7 o'clock I just went to get there and get that out the way and then work my way back down from San Bernardino to West Covina wherever else that I had to de deliver I think I had a couple loads in Orange County so off the 55 so I just went to just work my way down like that so I made sure that I got up um, routed myself now it only took me for those 15 stops, like five hours to do that shit. So by the time Mike came in at like 10.30 in the morning, when I was, I had the truck like outside with the doors open. When Mike was pulling up to go park his car, he's like, I appreciate it, this and that, that you going on. He had thought that I was actually coming to start my trip. And I said, nah, man, I'm already back. You should have saw the look on his face when I said that. And he saw that and he ran around to the truck and saw that it was empty in there. He looked at like he saw a, a, the fucking devil itself, man, because now that made me a threat to the other drivers because they would be, like I said, coming in at 8 o'clock in the morning and punching out at fucking 11 o'clock at night. So this is one of the reasons why these nails and all the, uh, this other shit was going down. This was actually before, I forgot to tell you that 15 stops was before I actually was parking my um, shit inside the dock. So now... After parking my shit inside the dock and there was no nails, this and that, I get a call from William probably like after the fourth run, like the fourth time going back to San Diego and Amarillo coming back. And he was like, sounded like he was just like, like, like panicky on the phone, this and that. And I'm like, well, what's up? He was like, well, man, I got something to tell you. I was like, well, go ahead and tell me because he was pausing in the conversation. He's like, I got something to tell you. I said, well, man, go ahead and tell me. He's like, well, man, are you driving right now? And so I'm looking worried, like, well, what the fuck is going on? I said, man, just go ahead and tell me. He's like, man, I hate to tell you this, man, but there's been an accident with your car. Um, you know, your car is damaged. 
And so I'm like saying, oh my God, here we go again. So I'm saying to myself, now we know what the fuck is going on now. This is coming from in-house now. So I'm asking him what the fuck is going on. And he's just like, man, you know, I'm sorry about this, man. You know, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. Like, you know, your car is damaged. Um, it's pretty much damaged. Um, when you, like, where are you at? And so, you know, he basically said that my car was fucked up. I tried calling Mike on the phone. Mike's not answering the phone. I found out later on that Mike had already knew what happened, but Mike told William to call me because he said he didn't want to be involved in it because he, he's, he's figuring that me and fucking um, William's about to get into a fight now. He always wanted to get William out of there, but he wanted to use that as an excuse. I think that's one of the reasons why he hired me there was to upset the situation with William because he knew that he probably didn't like blacks. So I thought, like, in my mind that I was kind of being used. So the situation was, is that by the time I got back to the yard, you guys is not going to believe this. William was already standing outside, like, with his little fucking um, Chuck Taylors on and all this, like, it's about to be a fight. And as soon as I lift up the fucking, um, the, the, the doors to the dock, you, you're never going to believe this. The forklift was landed on top of my goddamn Mustang, man. The forklift was resting on top of my hood, uh, not my hood, but on my hood and on top of the, the top of my fucking uh, Mustang. It was smashed in. The front window was smashed in. The back was all smashed in. That forklift had to weigh about a good six, seven thousand pounds, man. And it was just all smashed in. And so I'm just looking at it in disgust, in dismay, can't believe. I, I'm not even like anger to fight because I can't believe what I'm seeing. And so then Mike finally calls me because I guess William called him and told him that I was there. Mike told me to calm down. Everything is going to be okay. We have insurance. Um, if you need to get home to this day, go ahead and use the van because they had a company van. He's like, just go ahead and use the van. And um, tomorrow we're going to call the um, insurance company. They're going to come out and t uh, and basically did this, uh, you know, take an estimate of your car. And we're just going to go to from there. I'm sorry. Sorry this happened, this and that. So once he kind of relieved me of that, I'm saying to myself, well... This is going to be paid for, so I'm really not that upset about it. But here we go again with this weirdo shit that's always happening. So at that point, I'm looking over at William, and he, you know he's looking down. He don't want to look me in the eyes like he knows something that happened. And what I did was I called Ben and Jason, you know, my roommates, to come down and give me a ride back. And once everybody got there, we was all taking pictures with our phone. These are the pictures that I have on my phone that I'm telling you that I have as proof. And so we're all taking pictures of this and that. And it's just like, I'm in, I'm in disgust, man, at this point. And what, what we found to, what, what me and Mike come to find out, what we thought that what happened was, remember that I told you that William has always had this one um, female over there. She had kids. We think that while he was in one of the office that he turned into a bedroom fucking this broad, the kids must have got out there on that dock, got on that car thinking it was a go-kart, turned the keys, stepped on it, and ran that fucking forklift off over the dock on top of my car. Lucky my car was there to catch the fall. Because if that kid was in there, he probably would have got killed or seriously got permanently damaged. That's what we think that happened. We think that one of them kids that was on there from that broad that was coming over there jumped on that forklift and ran that shit off. And he's trying to play it off like he don't know what happened. So bottom line is what wound up happening is that... The guy from the insurance company came out. He did an estimate. This and that. He was cool about it. You know, um, 
he was just kind of honest with me because see a lot of those parts that was on that Mustang was aftermarket parts usually they try to give you the value like if you go like look at the blue book value they go off of where the car is original like original hood original this and everything on that car was damn near not original man I had put like different pulleys I, I damn near almost had like a supercharger in that damn car man with, with all the shit that I had did but I didn't want to convert it to a supercharger because I knew that I would be spending this much in gas but I the pulley the pulley belt the gator belts all that shit had been changed the hood the rims everything so you know um the guy was like you know telling me all this like with this aftermarket parts but he's like don't worry I'm gonna hook you up because man that's a shame what they did to you so they offered me 16.5 for the car so 16,500 it was actually more than what I thought I was going to get especially for 2004 so, you know, um, but when the guy called me up and offered me that, the insurance company, he was like, we want to offer you that, but we want to keep the car. And I said, well, no, there's no way you're going to keep the car. I said, I, I want to keep my car and keep that. So we were going back and forth because usually what they do is, man, they get some of their money back when they pay you off for the car. And then they turn around and they sell it to somebody else that sells it as parts. And they could damn near get close to like five, six, seven thousand dollars just for the parts alone. So if you're talking about giving me $16,500, you're going to get half of that back with the parts that you're going to part it out to and sell it to. Or either you're going to sell it whole to somebody else that's going to part it out. So I was like, nah, man, because I planned on putting it back together. So I was like, nah. I, and we kind of went back and forth for about 15 minutes on the phone. And finally they gave in and they was like, well, we'll just go ahead and let you keep it. We'll give you the $16,500 plus that. So it only took them like like three days to get all this done I had that check after I was negotiating with him back and forth about keeping the car he must have FedEx the check out like damn near the same day because it was early in the morning and so I had already was in a rental because that was like the only car that I had so I was kind of already spending money and I had used the rental car I went to go talk to Mike and I said man that's it you know I'm not working here anymore and anybody can understand that he understood it I said that was it I said it was just too much weirdo shit going here I said first it was the nails now this I said nobody in their life has ever seen anything like that man I said that's just kind of ridiculous for some shit like that to be happening you know he kind of begged me for a minute this now but then he just kind of said you know what I understand where you're coming from good luck I'll give you a good resume this and that and actually I referred somebody to him guess who I referred to him to come work over there y'all I called Eric on the phone and told Eric you know there's this good run that's going on down there guaranteed air freight um, they're paying like like close to like $500 like $480 for every run plus he's giving you $80 on the com data card to get dinner and come back and Eric loved it, man. He went over there to go work for him for like six months, and then he wound up quitting. I think because the company went down because they wasn't paying rent on the building. It wasn't him just quitting. The company was like going under. But they immediately fired William right after I left. William didn't work there anymore after that, man. They started to investigate him and like the time that he was clocking in, clocked out. Like nobody from St. Louis, everybody kind of hated that dude from because the way he would be talking to people on the phone, like they kind of hated him. So now they, that was the excuse that they used was my excuse to get him out of there. So I wound up like just taking the money, man, and just going forth on somewhere else, man. Um, like I said, it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, I got the money. I left. And that's what wound up happening, man. And, you know, uh, I had been there for close to almost, I want to say I worked there for about a good nine months. I didn't stay there for a year, but to me, nine months is like a year. So now... With all that being said, it's damn near going on eight years for me. I got two more years to make like damn near like, you know, like 10 years, a 10 a year out here, man, a decade out here. So 
that's what wound up happening, man. Um, like I said, just weird shit has been happening to me. Out of all the stories that I've had in trucking, that's probably the most ones that stand out the most was because of the damage to my car and shit like that. So, like I said, man, um, I'm going to just end the story there. When I come back, I'm going to tell you all where I went to after that, man. And we're, we're getting damn close, man. We're, we're like at the eight-year mark. Like I said, I got 20 years in this game. So, you know, a lot more weird shit coming up, man. So there you have it.